It's time for another episode of the Negative Positives Podcast, coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in Louisville, Kentucky, home of the Sport of Kings, birthplace of the Louisville Slugger. And now, here's your host, the man that loves to say do-do more than a 10-year-old boy, Mike Gutterman! Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 157. I am your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave on uh, some Monday night. I'm recording this. This is for the midweek show, which will not be published till like Thursday morning or Friday morning, somewhere around there, probably Thursday morning. And uh, so, but I'm recording this on Monday night. As usual, it's kind of a good night for me to record. This is a solo show, uh, kind of old school, and I'm going to probably make this one a little shorter. Uh, I had a huge plan of talking about filters, <laughs> and I probably will still get to that, but uh, we uh, decided uh, we're going to have Bill Smith, who was on the uh, episode Sunday night, uh, back on to kind of discuss those more in depth, uh, but there's probably a little something I want to get out, but my whole podcast was going to be about some filter uh opinions that I have formed recently, um, but I'll, I'll probably touch on that. But I want to kind of make this a, it's going to be probably, I hope it's going to be a shorter episode, maybe like one of my old school 15, 20 minute episodes, because kind of uh, got blindsided and didn't really uh, have a subject to talk about, so I had to sit here and think of what I wanted to talk about, because I was going to talk about filters, but we're going to wait and do that in depth with Bill Smith, so that's where we're at. But uh, <laughs> So, uh, what happened? Well, today uh, was kind of like the last hoorah for my uh, for my family and kids' uh, summer vacation. Uh, they are returning to school uh, here in Louisville, Kentucky, this Wednesday. Uh, they go back to school, so you know it was kind of uh, our last Monday together. I'm off on Mondays, and uh, so we decided, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for the last hoorah? And we went to uh, a, a town in Kentucky called Cave City, Kentucky, and it's always been one of our favorite things. We've done it several several times. Uh, but it's Mammoth Cave is in that area. It's uh, one of the, I think it's the largest cave system in, I guess, the world. It's one of the seven natural wonders of the, uh, of the earth. And we've been to Mammoth Cave before. That was kind of our plan. Let's go to Mammoth Cave. And then there's a bunch of other, like, touristy amusement type attractions in that area. So let's just spend the day in Cave City. So we went to uh, Mammoth Cave and uh, probably should have made reservations. I didn't, I didn't realize just how many people go to that cave. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we got there and all the tours that were coming up in the next couple of hours were already sold out. So we were like, okay, well, we can either buy a tour like four hours from now and try to find time to kill and try to get back in time for that tour or try something else. Uh, but there's other smaller cave tours in that area that aren't Mammoth Cave or not. It's, it's actually part of the same cave system, I guess. But uh, so we ended up going to a smaller cave system called Diamond Caverns. It's kind of right down the road uh, from Mammoth Cave. And uh, I've never been through that. And, you know, a cave's a cave, to be honest with you. <laughs> so we took a little tour through uh, Diamond Caverns. And uh, it was really cool. And uh, it was about an hour-long tour, which is about, eh, it's probably about as much time as you want to be in a cave. But uh, it was actually pretty pretty strenuous, actually. Some of the steps were very tall and narrow and some of the areas you had to kind of squeeze through were, and being a tall person, I had to keep from bumping my head on stalactites quite a bit. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was a good day. And then 
went to uh, uh, an amusement park called the Kentucky Action Park, and uh, that has uh, where we rode like bumper cars and bumper boats. Uh, what else here? Oh, they have a a thing called the Alpine Slide. It's the craziest thing ever. Uh, you get on the sky lift and ride all the way up this gigantic hill, and they have this like fiberglass. Um, kind of slalom slide it goes all the way down the hill sort of looks like a, a luge sort of but and then you sit on these kind of oversized like skateboard looking sort of things you kind of sit on them you have a brake and a on it and you go down this hill holding on to this brake and you know you push forward to go and you pull back to stop and and man you fly down this hill and I, I, the fact that like tons of people haven't been seriously injured or killed on this thing kind of surprises me because you really fly down this thing and down some of the turns you know you go way up on the wall and you think you're going to fly straight off the track and uh, uh it's 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 kind of crazy but it's an absolute blast and my kids love it so uh so that was kind of what we did uh you know a lot of people have uh known that i've been one to take too many cameras on these type family functions and i was planning on taking several cameras but i got up this morning and i was like you know what this is my last day with the kids and uh, well, well, that sounds bad. Last day with the kid there during their summer break before they go back to school. <laughs> and I decided, you know, I just wanted to make this more of a family thing and not worry about photography. And so it was one of those times I did take a film camera and uh, I just grabbed my little my little Kodak APS camera. <laughs> I love taking that little camera to little family events and stuff because it's so tiny. It fits easily in my pocket. And I knew I was going to be riding rides and stuff. And I didn't want to like have a, a big camera to carry around because I knew like my wife who wasn't going to ride a lot of the rides would just be forced to lug my camera around all day and uh, I didn't really want to put that that burden on her so I'll just take this little this little APS camera and keep it in my pocket and uh, pull it out whenever I want to take a photo and so I almost finished a roll of APS film today of uh, just family shots uh, riding stuff uh, you know doing some of the rides didn't really take much in the cave uh, you know I could have, but you know, cave photography, like <laughs> yeah, every good shot in a cave is already in like all the brochures and all the tourist, uh, you know, tourist uh, info information on those caves. So it's really not anything special or unique you can kind of do with those things. And uh, so, I mean, I guess I could have brought an SLR and some T-Max 3200 and gotten some uh, some cave cave shots, but it's it's a cave photo. There's nothing really spectacular. It's fun to go through them. It's, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. They're beautiful. Uh, but as far as photography, it just didn't really appeal to me as a, as a photographic subject. Uh, but so I kind of, you know, just uh, just took a little, little tiny camera and almost finished a roll of film today. And, uh, you know, that's kind of kind of glad that I made that choice. It's better than, you know, lugging around an SLR all day or having my wife lugging around while I bump the kids all over the track on bumper cars and bumper boats. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a, a pretty good day. But, you know, it's funny the summer vacation ending yeah you know, i had these thoughts during the summer i couldn't wait for summer couldn't wait for summer I was going to do a lot of shooting and honestly i didn't do as much shooting this summer as i thought i would and probably because you know when the kids are home from school i really don't want to spend a day out by myself shooting i kind of want to spend family time and and do you know summer things and so summer did not turn out to be really as productive as i thought it would from a, a photographic standpoint uh, so in a way now I'm kind of actually looking forward to them going back to school not 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 for their sake but for my photographic sake because now on Mondays when they go to school 
I can kind of get up early when they're in school and go shoot for the day and get back before they get off school and, and, and not really miss any family time. So I'm really hoping this, uh, this fall, before it gets too cold, I'll get a lot of photography done and uh, get, to, get to shoot a whole lot more. And this kind of also brings up a point of, you know, I'm, I'm realizing that I have a problem. I have too many cameras and I have too many types of film. And uh, like even today, like trying to decide what camera to take on this little family trip to Cave City was a bit of a conundrum and, and it caused me a little bit of stress. <laughs> so I finally just said, you know what? Hell with it. Just taking a little APS camera and I'll take some film shots and, and, and go with that. And so it was, uh, it, was a, it was a wise decision overall, I think. But every time I'm going out to take photos now, it's always like, oh, what camera am I going to take? What kind of film am I going to shoot today? And all this, and uh, I remember one one of my big plans was I was going to shoot a lot of pack film this summer because you know Polaroid tends to work better in in warmer temperatures, so whether it be pack film or uh, or the integral film. I know it has trouble with uh, developing sometimes when it's cold, when winter time, and all that. So my plan was to shoot a whole bunch of this pack film that I have stocked up uh, this summer, and uh, also a lot of the integral Polaroid film, and uh, just didn't really uh, didn't really do that. So hopefully this fall I'll, I'll kind of get get that going and, and make a make a run at that but uh all right so want to uh take a little break here and think about what i'm going to talk about this next segment because uh, you know i, I, I kind of got blindsided on the show and didn't really wasn't really prepared so we'll take a little break collect my thoughts and i'll be right back folks I am back from the break and you know I was on the Facebook group today and Junior Wyatt had made a post uh, about you know kind of congratulating all the uh, people in the group that were teaching their films uh, their, their kids to shoot film photography and uh, Junior I know used to have some really good times going out shooting with his son uh, who is now in the military and he's talking about how he missed those days and that reminds me that I kind of I kind of goofed this summer because that was actually one of my plans. I wanted to take the kids out with some uh, some cameras, even if it was like simple point and shoots, and kind of show them the ropes, like just get them started in like just basic composition and the ideal of uh, shooting film and not seeing your results and and the, the thrill of getting them developed or helping them develop the film and and seeing that that magic. And I just didn't really do it, so I'm kind of uh, uh, I kind of actually have to. Thank Junior for reminding me of this because it's something I need to do. Like these days of my kids uh, being at home and and still uh, where it's still cool to hang out with dad and do things with dad. Those are those are getting shorter and shorter by by the year, and I need to uh, take advantage of that. So that's something I definitely want to uh, make a real priority uh, going on in the future. And uh, because I just yeah that that could be some really really cool times man and some real good bonding moments with the kids and i feel like i'm letting that pass pass me by a little bit uh and i i need to i need to to rectify that my oldest son is uh, 50, uh almost uh, almost 16 
and my youngest is 11. And so I, especially with the oldest, I don't have too many more years to, you know, he's going to, I don't know, get a girlfriend or go to college or, or whatever. And, and dad's not going to be so cool to hang out with. So uh, I need to, uh, need to, need to make that a, a priority. And it's something that I'm, uh, I definitely want to do, and uh, I, I just love hearing uh, Junior uh, talk about that, how, how cool that, that must have been for him, and I'm sure it's something that he really misses now, and uh, I don't want to look back and, and, and not have, and, and feel like that I missed out on an opportunity to spend some really good time with uh, my sons, and uh, doing something that I love, and hopefully uh, showing uh, them, uh, helping them find a love for film photography, or at least understanding my love of film photography. So definitely, uh, definitely a goal, and uh, it, it was, I really enjoyed kind of getting that little reminder, that little, that little kick in the ass a little bit after I read his post on the Facebook group. So uh, yeah, cool stuff. Uh, also, I did uh, yesterday, I believe it was, or maybe two days ago. I finally developed my first row from my Florida trip, and it was a row of Ektar that I shot in a 35 millimeter SLR, and. You know, I like the results. Uh, I got uh, got some decent stuff out of it. Uh, I'll try to get those on the Facebook group pretty soon. Uh, one thing I've noticed with Ektar, and you know, I, I don't know how many rows of it I've shot. Not a whole lot. Not as much as I thought that I would shoot. But uh, it seems like I would shoot it more often. For some reason, it doesn't seem like I'm out in bright sunlight enough to really use a 100 speed color film. But uh, but on this particular day in Florida, I got up really early. I got up at like 6 a.m. while everybody was still asleep, and I went around the town and and shot some some really weird little beach businesses and establishments and a lot of old school rundown type stuff and just looking kind of for color i shot black and white that day too i had two cameras one with black and white one with color but i developed the color roll it was ektar and uh that particular morning was kind of a not a bright sun morning it was kind of a flat kind of light and uh I did notice that the Ektar didn't really pop as much as I'm used to it popping, and I'm starting to realize that Ektar just really loves the sun. And uh, uh, I mean, the, the shots still look great, but you could probably almost mistake some of them for Portra uh, or something because uh, you know the colors are they're great, but they're not as poppy as I'm used to, or contrasty as I'm used to seeing uh, Ektar because, again, this is a very flat kind of light day. But uh, still, I mean overall happy with it but uh it just made it just was a nice reminder that ektar really really seems to like the sun so uh but uh but as some of the shots that i did take that were of really colorful buildings yeah obviously you can sort of see the the ektar colors really pop on those but uh just as a was a pretty uh um cool thing and so yeah i'm going to try to get those uh up on the facebook group soon my first row of florida is finally finally done and uh, I got so many more rows to develop, and I'm really looking forward to it. Particularly looking forward to getting uh, the portraits I took of the family with the Pentax 67 uh, developed. And I'm sure my wife is would very much like for me to get those developed as well. So that'll probably be next up, uh, maybe next weekend uh, or this coming weekend. I'll get to that. But uh, all right. And uh, again, I'm going to try to make these like five minute segments, like the old school podcast. And uh, so I'm going to take a, another little break and come back for the last segment. We're going to make this a, a short solo mic show like kind of like the old the old school old school negative positives podcast so all right i'm gonna take another little break and uh, come back for the last segment
All right, folks, I'm back from the break, and I now have some sort of cricket here in the Gutterman Cave uh, putting out a mating call. It's kind of annoying, but uh, you'll probably hear it, and there's, I can't find him, so he's going to keep making his little, his little racket here, I guess. And I just realized, too, this podcast is going to be a little longer than I thought because I remembered there's some emails I need to get to, but uh, so I'll do that uh, as well on this podcast, and so it's not going to be 15 minutes. It might be a little longer. So yeah, it is what it is. You know, we got people uh, people sending us emails, and I'm I'm definitely going to read them. So uh, I'm always excited about that. So uh, first of all, I want to get to um, before I forget that I mentioned in the first segment I was talking about filters. Uh, now I've always I've talked about filters a long time ago on the podcast. I've always been kind of like a Tiffin guy, you know. To me, like price versus quality has always been kind of about what I want to pay for filters, and and I'm, I've been happy with uh, what Tiffin give, gives me. And uh, of course, you know, I'm a I'm a union factory worker here in the USA, so the fact that Tiffin filters are made in the USA is another reason I kind of like supporting them. But that's just that's just me. I'm not saying you all have to, but <laughs> it's a nice. There's very few photo products these days made in the United States, other than I guess Kodak Film. So uh, so it's kind of a it's kind of a, a, a strange anomaly in the uh, in the uh, ph- photographic industry, I guess. But uh, well, I guess Cinema still. I guess you can kind of consider them uh, uh, U.S. made. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you that, Andre. I'm going to give you a little plug there. So, uh, but all right. So uh, about the filters, uh, I was in kind of a, a situation with the Pentax 6.7 because it uses the lens I have is the 90 millimeter lens, uses 67 millimeter filters. Now that's way larger than any of the filters that I had currently uh, that I had owned when I bought the camera. Um, so, you know, you look at when you get into bigger filter sizes, obviously the price gets pretty expensive, even for Tiffin, who, uh, is not the most expensive filters on the, on the planet, uh, still quite pricey once you get up to the larger sizes. And I'm like, you know, I, I can't, I don't, I can't afford to go Tiffin at this, at this, at this juncture. So I decided, you know, I'm just going to buy some cheap ones to kind of get me through so I can use, uh, some, some of the, the filters I absolutely need. Uh, to you know, kind of just get me started, and try to slowly replace those with Tiffins as I you know run into as my photographic fund kind of gets built back up. I actually posted this on the Facebook group uh, about uh, if the people, if members are filter snobs, if you buy into like uh, the expensive filters or or are the cheap ones good enough? So. Uh, I bought uh, two filter kits from Amazon. One was a 67 millimeter, you know, round filters, and then I also bought a some of the square filter uh, kits. Uh, one of the square filter kits, uh, and the main reason I bought the square filters was for like graduated uh, neutral density uh, filters because I find those uh, pretty handy. And the square format is definitely, I think, where you want with that because you can adjust where you want the uh, the ND part of the filter to be in your frame. So, uh, and I, I got those, and then I got the, uh, the round filters. I believe I, I did buy a good Tiffin uh, polarizer and a good Tiffin uh, UV filter uh, in 67 millimeter uh, to want the UV to keep on the lens at all times. And polarizers, I don't really think you can cheap out on those. Like, it's kind of an important one. And so I did buy a Tiffin for that. But for like just red, green, yellow, orange, which is the main other, and that's the main filters I kind of use. Um, for black and white photography, um, you know, I just I needed to go cheap for now until I can replace them with uh, more expensive, you no, know, not quite crazy expensive, but better Tiffin filters is kind of my filter brand of choice. Um, 
And what I can say is, from my limited use on it, now I haven't used them a whole lot. Uh, now, granted, their construction just definitely doesn't feel as, as uh, at least on the round filters, as, as high quality as uh, the better filter brands. But I, uh, so far, I can't really tell much difference in image. And, uh, like, I think these, these cheap filters will definitely get me through until I can get better ones. Uh, and so I'm just not, I'm not a real filter snob. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big, and I'm probably the worst person to tell you about this because I'm not a, I'm not a big sharpness snob either. Like, if I was, like, all into, like, super sharpness and crazy resolution, I mean, I guess I would be, like, a digital shooter, right? Like, I mean, I'm not, that's not what I'm in for with, with film and, and my film cameras. And, you know, it's, I'm just not a stickler for it. I remember when Andre was in town in Louisville, uh, I was shooting his Leica. He let me borrow one of his Leicas. And I was like, you know, I wonder if I'll tell, be able to tell when I develop these photos, like a... Uh, a more sharpness than I'm used to, and uh, and yeah, I, I don't know the, sharp, the the photos I took with his Leica were, were definitely very sharp, but you know, and I remember Andre saying, you know what, I don't really give a give a shit about about sharpness, about the sharpness of lenses and stuff like that, and I was like, I was like, you know, you're kind of right, I'm kind of with you on that, so uh, I'm definitely not the uh, authority on uh, on telling you that these cheap filters are gonna fulfill all your filter fantasies, but uh, <laughs> because I am not a, I'm not a stickler on that kind of thing. I'm just not a good shot's a good shot, man. And like if it's in focus, if and and you got a good shot, uh, you know sharpness is not something that's high on my list of uh, of uh, you know things that I shoot for or whatever. I mean, obviously I love Hoga's and I love uh, flipped lens Kodak Brownie Hawkeye and. I love all the lo-fi cameras as well, so maybe I'm the wrong person to listen to on all this advice, so maybe you should just ignore me entirely about this complete segment. But I'm just saying that if you need to uh, get some filters to kind of get you started, uh, especially if you need, like, large size filters, you know, they're cheap enough. Give them a try and see if uh, see if they'll meet your standards. Uh, and then you can just replace the ones you actually know you're going to use with, um, uh, you know, a better quality filter brand. That's kind of where I'm at with it. We had a big discussion on the Facebook group about it. So uh, if you're on the Facebook group or you haven't joined, join it and check out the filter discussion. There was a lot of good, uh, a lot of good uh, debate and uh, just constructive uh, opinions on it. So, yeah, it's definitely something to look into. And, you know, I mean, it's better to have a cheap one you can use right now and uh, and not be limited in your photography uh, than not have a filter at all because... I mean, I, th I think they're really important for black and white as far as getting your, your the contrast where you want it uh, in the scene, especially like yellow, orange, and red is very, uh, to me, those are kind of essential filters for black and white photography. And uh, and also a, a polarizer. And then on all my good lenses, uh, the, my favorite lenses, I usually keep a UV filter on the front just to uh, you know protect that glass. And I know so there's debate on that as well, but for me, you know, I just like having a filter on there just for the security of it. and. I haven't noticed any degradation, uh, especially with Tiffin, and actually not noticing much with these uh, cheap uh, Amazon filters. I think the, uh, the brand was newer, it's like N-E-E-W-E-R, and uh, you'll see it if you search on Amazon. They're, they're crazy cheap, and uh, you'll see some Vivitars and some Polaroids, and probably all made in the same factory, truthfully, but uh, yeah, but uh, something to look into if you're looking to uh, just maybe try filters, or if you have a big huge lens with large filter sizes and you can't quite afford the the good stuff yet you know what you buy the cheap stuff and let it get you through until until you can afford the better ones right 
So, uh, hey, it's uh, better than nothing is the way I see it. And uh, But again, I'm probably not the right person to ask about this stuff because I am not a sharpness snob. I'm not a pixel peeper. But, uh, or, a, I don't know, what would you call it in film? Grain peeper? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, all right, so I'm going to take... One more break, because again, this podcast is going to be longer than I thought it was going to be. i got some uh, emails to get to, so take a little break. Let me pull up these emails, and I will get to that in, a, in the finally the last segment. I'm back from the break, and I got an email from Mr. Sean Nelson of UtahFilmPhotography.com. He has uh, been uh, just just all important in doing all these challenges, all these uh, you know kind of community of uh, things that we're doing, like the double exposure challenge, and we also have a print exchange going on right now. He emailed me to let me know we have 21 people signed up in the print exchange so far. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and cut off the uh, signing up for the print exchange on August 19th. The last day to sign up for the print exchange will be uh, Sunday, August 19th. So if you want to do a print swap with somebody here in the community, get on the Facebook group, the Negative Positive Film Photography Podcast Facebook group, and sign up for the, the print exchange. And all you got to do is send a print and to whoever you're paired up with, and uh, you'll get a print. And uh, it can be darkroom prints, inkjet prints, lab prints, whatever, however you print. Uh, we're not doing any, any snobbery here. Just uh, send somebody a, a print of your work. So really cool stuff. And he's also trying to get the double exposure uh, tag team challenge kind of compiled so that we can get that ready to be judged by the almighty Graham from the Sunday 16 podcast in an upcoming episode sometime in the very near future, we hope. So, yeah, uh, Sunday August 19th, the last day to sign up for the print exchange. So get on the Facebook group and sign up for that if you want to get into that. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, from Mr. Sean Nelson. Also, I think it was Friday. I got a Friday or Saturday. I think it was Friday. Got a wonderful little package in the mail. Uh, a little surprise from Mr. Dustin Cogsdale. And uh, speaking of print exchange, uh, he actually sent me two darkroom prints uh, in the mail just on a whim because uh, this community is so awesome and the listeners of this program are so awesome. And, of course, Dustin Cogsdale is awesome. So, uh, But, yeah, he sent me some really cool uh, darkroom black and white prints and uh, that will go definitely in the Gutterman Cave print collection of uh, listener photos. <laughs> so, uh, But he uh, included a, a little note inside there. It says, Mike... Here are a couple of prints I thought you might enjoy. Both were shot at the Miller Coors Brewery in Golden, Colorado. Well, I'm enjoying a uh, refreshing Miller Lite right now, so uh, that's nice. And uh, so he says, last November, while I was there for a class, uh, one of them is the one and only print to be made as the negative got damaged. Cheers, your bud Dustin. So wow, he sent me a, sent me a print, like the only print he can make because the negative's damaged. So wow, I feel like that's a... Uh, 
feel like that's worth a lot of money, Dustin. I'm probably going to sell that and uh, make uh, be rich. So there you go. And then he says, he says, P.S. I'm still learning in the dark room. So if you don't like them, keep it to yourself. Obviously, I'm kidding about that. Well, Dustin, I did like them. And uh, yeah, some really cool like uh, brewery photos from the uh, the Miller Coors Brewery in Golden, Colorado. So uh, very cool stuff. And thank you so much, Dustin, for sending me that. And, uh, you know, Dustin has started a Facebook group we've mentioned several times on this podcast, the Photography Print Swap. On the, It's a Facebook group that you can join and uh, do photography print swaps with people, all sorts of people on that group. So really cool group if you want to, like, start exchanging prints with people. Uh, and, uh, of course, we have our print exchange going with the Negative Positives community. But this is the only time we're going to do this because, you know, after we do this, you just join Dustin's Facebook group and uh, do it there. So uh, awesome stuff. But, uh, okay, and then the next email is from Cassius Fitzgerald. Uh, He was talking about, I think Andre and I uh, was talking about how we both have screwed up in the developing of film at times and for some dumb reason opened up the tank and exposed the film. And uh, I had that actually happen to me recently. Uh, I don't know why these things happen. You know, you you get cocky sometimes with film developing and, and, you know, you make mistakes. But uh, so Cassius has sent us an email. He says, Andre and Mike. If you really don't like the trippy look of film which has been exposed while on the AP spirals, just run a strip of tape across the top and down the side. It's your choice. I once took the lid off of a tank and didn't realize what I did until I was drying the negatives. Most of the roll was ruined except for a few frames, which looked like they were taken through a picket fence. Cass. P.S. If the Pentax is getting too heavy, I'm willing to take one for the team and pay for shipping to a good home in Pennsylvania. <laughs> just... Just think of the savings in chiropractor bills. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Cassius, for the uh, for the email. And that's not a bad idea to uh, tape down the, the lid to make sure you don't open it. Uh, I've only done it once in my many years of, of developing, so I don't know that I really need to do that. And after learning my lesson a couple weeks ago, it'd probably be a while before I do that mistake again. But uh, not a bad idea if you're prone to open the, the lid of your developing tank for some dumb reason. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the Pentax getting too heavy, uh, you know, um, I'm sorry. I, I'm probably not going to be sending that your way because uh, the Pentax 6.7 is one of my favorite cameras now. And uh, honestly, with the uh, slight beer belly I've been growing here in the last year, I probably need to, to carry a heavy camera and help lose that. So uh, <laughs> I think I'll think I'll go ahead and keep that. But, yeah, I appreciate the offer and trying to save me on my chiropractor bills. But, uh <laughs> All right, so the next one is from uh, Kevin Dillon. Uh, I got to hang out with quite a bit at the FPP uh, Walking Workshop in Finlay, Ohio. It's very nice to hang with him. Uh, he was uh, sending an email. I was talking about, I mentioned I had a, uh, uh, a Minolta, uh, a Sigma lens for a Minolta camera that was given to me, and it was just sticky as all get out. And um, so he says, hey, guys, I too had a sticky Sigma. Using both Goo Gone and rubbing alcohol took care of the nastiness. Beware rubbing too much on the depth scale as you can rub off the numbers. Later, Kevin Dillon. And he is at Rico Shooter. That's Rico underscore Shooter on Instagram and on Facebook. Well, thank you, Kevin, for that uh, that email. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to try that. Uh, and I don't know what I'm going to do. The, I, I was gifted this Minolta camera and lens. It's kind of a late 90s uh, or mid-90s uh, Minolta autofocus, uh, you know, plastic camera. The camera didn't work. Uh, and the lens, you know, could probably be used by somebody, but it is really sticky and gooey. So I may try to break out the old trusty Goo Gone and some rubbing alcohol and see if I can get that 
unsticky enough to just at least send to somebody that could use it because I've got no use for it at this point. So, but uh, yeah, thanks Kevin for the email. So, all right, I think that's it. Do I have any more emails? No, I think we're good. Got it. Got it knocked out. Okay, I guess that's the end of this episode. You can see my photography on Instagram at uh, Gutterman Photo on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. Uh, you can email this program at Neg Positives N E G Positives at gmail.com. and obviously join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. Okay, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Thank you. We'll see you very soon.